supposed to be, right? Supposed to be our character. The problem is we're not God. So we struggle against these worldly tendencies and sinful tendencies that we kind of call the flesh. Say that. Say flesh. Flesh. I did that for my daughters. They hate that word. It makes their skin crawl. And the thing is, we have those tendencies and it's made worse by the world, the culture, and the enemy gets in the mix also. So we start to hear these voices, and I'm not talking about um, you know, mental illness, I'm talking about the things that motivate and drive us that are just part of being in the flesh, and it comes with that. And these things come against our natural tendency to be generous. One of them is the voice of fear. The voice of fear says, if I give, there may not be enough left for me. The other is self-gratification. If I give, I won't have enough for the things I need to make me happy. Now those two things sound similar, but they come from a different place. Fear uh, is one, self-gratification is the other. And we deal with both of these. we got another purpose before spine comes through. And this is where Rad is taking nursery rhymes and putting his own spin on the nursery rhyme. So, old Mother Hubbard went to the cupboard to get the poor dog a bone. But when she came there, the cupboard was bare. And so the poor dog had none. And then Rad's response. Old Holly Dolly saw this as folly to give, to live with a woman so rude. I'll teach you a lesson with this Smith and Wesson. And Hubbard discovered more food. <laughs> Great. Robbing old ladies. Hey, she was holding out. And the thing about it is, so do we. We kind of hold out. We hold out on God in our giving a lot of times. Um, and it's because of this fear and the self-gratification thing that rise up within us. But we acknowledge it or not, they're there. And let me give you an example of what I'm talking about, because this is one where many people, all of you have been there before. Um, Someone you don't know asks you for money on the street. Or you're driving past someone who's there on the side of the road with a sign asking for money. We deal with that a lot, right? And uh, it makes me think of the time a year ago, um, Abby's school choir had a concert at First Baptist Christmas concert, and I was walking back across the courthouse square to get to where I park. And as I started across the courthouse square, there was a guy towards me, and I kind of know what's about to happen, and it does. And he's asking for money, and he, and he also prefaces it by saying a lot of things about me, but you look like the kind of guy saying nice stuff, you know, warming me up for the, for the pitch, right? What goes through our mind in those moments? Several things can, right? We're thinking, is this a scam? What's going to be used for? Is it going to go for this or that that I don't want it to go for? It's not going to go for the food they're asking for or the gas that they say they need. If it is November and you've been hearing some of these, you may even think, this is good stewardship to to give money in this kind of situation. And our mind even goes to other places too, doesn't it? We can start thinking things like, is this person here with bad choices in their past? And they can learn a lesson. Is this going to teach them to improve so that they don't have to be out here asking for money. We think these things, right? And what I really struggle with is when someone parks their kids beside me, they're asking for money for their dog. You see that too, right? It's manipulation. But be 
because of all of these things and the thoughts that go with them, we can train ourselves to ignore these situations, right? To tune them out, to automatically drive past, don't make eye contact, keep walking. This is how we respond a lot of the time. Is it possible that sometimes in those moments it may be more about God and us than it is about that person? Is it possible that in that moment, God may be using that person, the family may be incidental to the whole thing, to what God is doing with us in that moment. God may be saying, are you willing to part with something that you want this moment? Or could it be that some of these moments where we're supposed to just go ahead and act in mercy and grace without overthinking? Um, and I think there is. I think it's even possible. I don't know what you personally believe about angels, but I think there are times where there are angels among us, like the, like the song says, where there's a messenger from God that may camouflage to someone that you don't realize it's an angel. And we're supposed to act in that moment. Um, it makes me wonder also, you know, the risen Christ was talking to Peter on the shore and he said, do you love me more than these? And he's talking about the other disciples. But I feel like sometimes God is asking me, do you love me more than these? And he's talking about um, Washington, Franklin, Jackson. You know, the, the faces on the currency. Do you love me and you love these? That day on the courthouse last year, Courthouse Square, um, I paused for a minute and I thought about it. I was steward chair at the time. I was teaching in Sunday school about this. And I took out my wallet and I gave. And immediately the eyes that locked in on me while he was saying all those nice things shifted and looked for the next person. But I felt okay. I felt like God had told me to do that. And I did it. And I was okay with it. I think um, God has a lot to tell us about these situations sometimes, and it comes back to the fear, self-gratifications that motivate us. So I've done two comic strips and no Bible verses yet, so I need to fix that. Deuteronomy 15, 7 through 8. And this is some of what God says about this. If there is a poor man among your brothers in any of the towns of the land that the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward your poor brother. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend him whatever he needs. Open-handed. I'm going to come back to that. And then verses 10 through 11. Give generously to him and do so without a grudging heart. Then, because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work in everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land. And Jesus kind of said something like that too, didn't he? Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your brothers and toward the poor needy in your land. So are we tight-fisted or open-handed? And when I was looking at this, the thing that kept coming to mind was about Jesus' open hands. Remember when uh, he was appearing to them after the fact and 
for the first time, Thomas was there, and he said, I won't believe until I see the nail scars in that hand. And Jesus showed him his hand. The open hand gave testimony to who Jesus was. And we're open-handed. It's giving testimony to the kind of people that we are. We're generous. I mentioned synergy between Old Testament and New Testament. We just read this passage from Deuteronomy. James 4, 7 says something very similar in a very, very brief manner. It says, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Is God saying to give to every person who asks in the street or by the side of the road or every organization that's asking for money? Maybe not. But I think in every situation, He intends us to take the decision to Him and, and to do as He directs in that moment, to do as the Holy Spirit directs. We may not be supposed to give to every opportunity in front of us, but we're supposed to be prepared to, willing to part with something. God's benefit. God designed us to derive joy from giving and from being generous. And the cool thing is, it blesses God when we do it. The author of the book tells a story about the book that we're doing for stewardship. He tells a story about uh, when he took, he and his wife took their kids on a family trip to Grand Tetons to Jackson Hole. Uh, they arrived on his birthday and when they first got there, they told all their kids you have dollars to spend however you want on this trip. One of his daughters immediately went into the first gift shop they came to and found a hat that was $20. And she came up and said, I really want this hat. Uh, and he tried to talk her out of it. And they've been there to her parent and the kids have been and you're going to blow it all in the beginning and they come to you more later. So he was trying to talk her out of that and say, now, you might want something more later. She was insistent. I want this hat. So he gave in. Uh, later, he was sitting on a bench admiring the view, and she came up and sat down beside him. And I think I said, uh, right on his birthday for this vacation, she walked up to him and said, Dad, this is for you. And he was blown away. She used her full allotment of souvenir money to get a gift for him for his birthday. And he said he still treasures that hat. He was so blessed by her act of sacrifice and giving. That's how God responds when we do that. When we rise up, when we're sacrificial in our giving to bless someone else, God is honored by that and God loves that. One more comic strip. Pig makes an appearance this time around. Pig and rat are standing on the cliff. It's where they contemplate stuff. And he said, Pig says, I've decided to donate all my organs after I die. And rat typically asks, why? Because if I do it before I die, it'll kill me. Sometimes you ask stupid questions. The thing is, rat is asking the question that most of us would ask. Why would you do something? For Pig, it's intuitive. Of course he's going to do that. What he hears in the question is logistics of the timing of it. Um, Pig never questions the act of doing it. Because he's so giving. And for us, generosity should be reflexive. It should be the kind of thing that we do reflexively. And the more you learn to listen to the 
voice of God, you don't have to spend a lot of time listening. And sometimes there are things that are obvious, right? If you're in traffic, the light turns green, you wait for God to say go. No. Not, well, some people do. And that's why we have horns on our cars. But <laughs> off the cell phone and drive, greetings go. Um, the girls hear this all the time from their father uh, when he's driving. 1 John 4.19, we love because, why? He first loved us. He initiated. Now we love because that should be our response. The early service calls into John 3.16. God, God laid, Jesus laid down his life for us. Famous verse, I just can't come up with it at the moment. It's not on the screen. You know what I'm talking about, though. Because he loved, he gave. Right? Our giving is a response to God and, and his giving to us. It's an expression of our witness, like proclaiming, testifying, serving. Um, all of those things that we do, working on our personal holiness, our giving is part of that. Our generosity is part of that. It's aligned with kindness, goodness. And faithfulness and love, the fruits of the Spirit, right? The more we grow in our faith, the more generous we become. Say this generosity, generosity. Is, a is a fruit of spiritual growth. Spiritual. And as we grow in our faith, the increased work of the Holy Spirit in our lives will cause the voices of fear and self gratification to just kind of fade. Generosity starts to bloom. God knows we have material needs. He knows we need food and clothing and shelter. We need to provide for our kids. But beyond that, we need to learn to look to the Holy Spirit to inform us about our giving. The Holy Spirit is our counselor to be with us at all times. The voice of God, willing, if we're willing to listen, willing to share with us God knows what God desires in this or that moment. Um, he'll clarify our decisions on giving. Um, God designed us so that generosity and giving are essential to the life of our soul. The Dead Sea, right? The Dead Sea is dead because there is no what? Fish. Someone say fish. That would count, I guess. But outflow. Yeah. Outflow. Streams run into it, but there's no outflow. So the salts concentrate, water becomes toxic to life. But water remains fresh and alive when there's inflow and outflow. Even the lake has that also. And if you don't get that, the water becomes stagnant, it becomes polluted, it becomes toxic. And we're the same way. We can't just take in and not give out. God is pouring into us. And where are we pouring out? Where are we sending it on, paying it forward, passing it on to the next person? And the pollution builds up in us can be things like possessions. Stuff that's never intended to be there in the first place that adds to Show of hands. Anyone here ever had to speak at a funeral? A few people. It's not easy. It's stressful. 
You're giving testimony to someone's life, right? I know of a pastor who, when he is having to prepare for something like that, especially if it's someone that he doesn't know very well, he's trying to get some information so we deliver a message that honors that person. He'll, he'll bring the family together and say, tell me about your loved one. What were some of his or her defining characteristics? And use that to get some information. And then he asks, what would they want to be member for? And each of us have to realize that one day someone's going to get up before a crowd of people and talk about us. Is generosity something we want to be remembered? I want to mention a couple of things logistically for today. One of them is about the whole Commitment Sunday thing. I was stewardship chair for three years, coaching the last year with David. And one of the things you do in that job is you come up with a campaign, but I don't like that word either because you know, it's political campaign season and bad connotations there. But it's, it's a season of discussing giving with the congregation. Um, asking people to speak, um, give personal testimonies about giving. That was part of the job. Uh, motivating the congregation to pledge and to give. That was part of it also. I don't think I was very good at that because I got the impression I was supposed to be really, really worried about how much money came in on Pledge Sunday, Commitment Sunday. I could never get all that worked up about it. I'm kind of a Hudson Taylor kind of guy. Hudson Taylor was a missionary to China. A lot of great quotes came out of him. One of them was, God's work done in God's way never lacks God's supply. So my focus is more on what are we doing as a church? Are we doing things that are of value? Are we being good stewards of the congregation's money? Um, but one of the things that we come up with this is born that is in the bulletins today and just to tell you a couple of things about this. On one side, the side that you keep is talking about ways that we have pledged to support the church. Kevin mentioned that when he spoke. The part that is to be turned in, if you so choose, mentions a few other things, like how to be contacted by someone from the church. Not about money, but just about how you can plug into the church how your gifts and abilities can be used in the church. Like I said, this is not just about money. Um, they mention a couple other things, like assistance with online giving. But basically, um, what you can fill out on this is if you choose to pledge, to give a certain amount for the coming year. Not everyone can do that. Some people's income is set up in such a way that you really can't do that because you don't know exactly how much you're getting month to month. There's another option on here that says you give as you can. Both of these are blessings. It's a blessing to pledge because it is an act of faith and obedience. Um, you do it with the, with the understanding, with the faith, that God is going to supply your needs. Didn't Jesus say, look, I take care of the flowers, I take care of the birds. Of course I'm going to take care of you. That should calm our fear, but we're human and we still get caught up in it sometimes. Um, so there's a place you can fill this out and tear off the third part and put it in a basket. We're going to have up here shortly. The other thing, so that's one thing, Commitment Sunday, and yeah, we're doing that today, but I want to talk for a moment about tithing also. 
Tithing is taking 10% of what you have and giving it to God. Why 10%? A lot of people, a lot of smart people, have studied numbers in the Bible. There are certain numbers that refer and over 3, 7, 40, a bunch of other numbers, 12. And they seem to have spiritual significance because they show up the same way over and over again. There are a couple of things that are signified by number 10. One of them is responsibility, like Ten Commandments. And the other is testimony. Ten is the number of testimony. Like I said, the open hand is Jesus' testimony to Thomas that he was who he said he is. And so 10% is responsibility that, that God has set up and is a testimony. Um, we do tithe in our family and uh, before any of you suggest, well, I did what you do for a living, I can afford to tithe also. Let me tell you, God convicted me of that a long time ago when I was working in Phoenix for four years in my residency and um, making less than minimum wage at the time. At school debt, I wasn't tithing, but I was going to a church there where through a, a sermon that I heard, God convicted my heart and I needed to start doing that. And I had a lot of reasons why I shouldn't or couldn't. But I chose to try it. And I did. And in the year my debt was gone, still working at less than minimum wage. And other things started falling into place. I'm more available to give two things as they came up. I didn't have to tell people, no, I can't buy fruit from your youth or you know whatever it was at the time that was going on. And I know when it comes to tithing, that is a personal thing. And studies show that uh, very few people in the church actually do that, not this church, but all churches. The overall number who tithe, it, it's pretty small. And, and there are things that we get our head around and into in this life. Is it 10% of gross or 10% of net? Is it before taxes or after taxes? And not a lot of smart, faithful people describe merit in both ways to do it. You give right off the bat or you give later. Um, and along those lines, you know, this is fall baking season, right? And a lot of people use apples for that. Some are fans, some are not. I've already heard that from this morning when people saw these up here. But say, you start off with ten apples. It's a lot. Say you have a recipe that requires ten, but you find out that you only have nine when you go to actually make the recipe. So what are you going to do? You make it work, don't you? You could go borrow, you could go buy more, but a lot of times you can just make that work in a recipe. And I know for a lot of people who tithe, who have found that they take that apple right off the bat, they get their paycheck, they make it work. And didn't we read Deuteronomy that God honors that? That we are generous when we do what God led us to do. He honors that. He blesses us and blesses the things that we put our hands to. 
Um, our generosity is led and informed by the Holy Spirit. It's a response to the overwhelming generosity of God. It should be reflexive. It should be something that defines us. We're not supposed to give till it hurts. We're supposed to give till it feels good. 